Welcome to All the Year Round, a seasonal monthly podcast about 19th century British and Irish literature and culture. I'm one of your hosts, Emma Probert, researcher of Jane Austen, Elizabeth Gaskell and the novel of manners. And shortly we'll be joined by Dr Hayley Flynn, an avid delver of 1860s periodicals and depictions of dreams. Today we're heading out on our second road trip this summer to visit the Symington Archive, which is one of the largest collections of surviving corsets from the 19th century onwards. The wonderful Sarah Nicholl, the curator of many Leicestershire collections, including the fashion collection, pulled some items from storage for us to examine and shared her extensive expertise with us, so a huge thank you to Sarah. And throughout this episode, you'll also hear me make reference to a book titled Foundations of Fashion, the Symington Corsetry Collection from 1860 to 1990, which I was able to get secondhand off of eBay sold by John Liddell, who was the head of costume at Scottish Opera for many years. He has a catalogue of over 100 titles that he's selling on, some of them practical books about pattern cutting and construction, and some of them are about costume history. If you're interested in perusing his list, we've put the eBay link into the description. Now, let's settle into the episode. First, let's have a little bit of background. In 1830, James Symington joined his elder brother William, travelling from Scotland to Leicester to establish himself as a tailor and draper next to his brother's tea shop. William quickly became successful and moved out of his tea shop and sold it on to Mr and Mrs Gold and their daughter Sarah, who was a skilled staymaker. Within three years of their falling into one another's proximity, for love or convenience, James and Sarah married. Their first child was born in 1837 and 19 years later, like his father before him, Robert Symington left home. Robert went to seek his fortunes in America. He didn't find them there, he found his family's legacy. In 1856, he sent back three sewing machines made by Isaac Merritt Singer, who would go on to found the worldwide enterprise of Singer Sewing Machines, and so Market Harbour had one of the first mechanised corset factories in England. Their prospects grew exponentially, from Sarah Symington and three seamstresses working out of a cottage to factories in Leicester, Rugby, Ipswich, Sudbury, Liverpool, Manchester, Blackwood and Peterborough. At their height, the factories expanded even further to Ireland, Australia, New Zealand and South Africa. A change in ownership for the business in 1967 diminished the family's input and power. The historic Symington collection of 1,300 garments was presented to the Leicestershire County Council's Museum Service in 1980 and over the next decade, parts of the Market Harbour factory closed down and were sold off finally closing its doors for the last time in May 1990. So you might be wondering, if they were such a big competitor in the market, how come I've never heard of Symington's? Well, although they produced some of their own designs, like the Liberty Bodice, a vest for children which became a basic household item in the first half of the 20th century, and the Pretty Housemaid corset, a corset specifically designed to be the cheapest best quality for domestic workers, which has become somewhat of a notable item amongst fashion historians. A lot of the work the factories took on were commissions from other companies, like Marks and Spencers, Liberty, and its final big contract in 1957, Christian Dior. So we're really excited to look at some of these beautiful surviving pieces from Symington's and their competitors. And we start off with some intrigue over the Symington's myth. They said that they were the first to use CS sewing machines in a mass manufacturing setting. I don't know whether they were the first. They were certainly one of the first. One of the early adopters. Yes. Yes. It's possible that they could have been. I I had like a lot of, you know, when you think about something for more than five seconds and you Mm. have to sort of unpick (laughs) something. And now that you've said it, I am thinking because Robert was supposed to go to, you know, America to seek his fortune. And then he shipped through back and... I was like, maybe I'm just not understanding the exchange rates. Maybe I'm not understanding shipping rates. But I was like, three machine, like three machines, isn't isn't a machine quite expensive? Well, yes, and isn't shipping the expensive? The whole higher purchase agreement because people couldn't actually afford to buy them outright. So yeah, they um, wouldn't have been cheap. Yeah, and in my head, I was like, I need to have a word with Robert and go back <laughs> into the past because I need to. I need to know. I was just and like, why three? Yeah, why three? One, because if you didn't know whether they worked or not, I mean the the. The ladies that worked, so this was at a time when it was his mum, Sarah, 
yes. Sarah Simonton, who was making cosmetics, they're all made to measure. Mm. So it was the boys that did the mass manufacturing. So when mm -hmm. it handed down to them, they started the mass manufacturing. So they didn't sew for what they were good at was business. While we were working on one of our previous episodes on the Victorian seaside, we got to thinking, while going for a dip in the sea, how did people who wore corsets stay cool in the hot weather or playing sports? From the massive collection of surviving garments, Sarah pulled a few choice items to help us answer the question. We actually had two ventilated. Fantastic. Uh, both pretty, well, they are, no, they're not identical because I was busy telling a student one day that it was only single there, could tell at the top and then felt it and said, oh no, this one's not. <laughs> so they are slightly different, which actually in itself is really interesting because obviously as they were producing it, they must have kept evolving with it and then because they realized that a single layer of cotillion was as good as a double layer mm -hmm. you can always mark it as like less fabric less fabric on your body yeah yeah, yeah. so the ventilated was for ventilation mm -hmm. so it was for women who were going abroad but still needed to keep keep that european fashionable shape yes mm -hmm. which obviously as you more than likely know is far more it's not to do with vanity it's to do with social standing of course um, obviously, if you're going abroad to tropical regions, um, it's a lot warmer over there than it is here. So they created this. We do have one. We have half a corset that's either the other way round. So the there's just a centre section there, a little bit on the bust, a little bit on the hip, but the rest is skeletal. Ooh. So I can go and get that. That would be great oh, yeah. to see. This is this is very familiar to me because I say on my travels around the internet. You know, I have it in the book. I have a section of you on bargain hunt. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Where you were displaying this one as well. So the second I saw it, I was like, we have to go. We have to see this in person. But this is this is really beautiful, and I I can imagine that. Oh, it's. You know, I always, I always get a little bit taken back because it is smaller than I would have expected. What about you, Hayley? Yeah, I think actually what I was just thinking is the, the actual, because this says 1895. So yeah. is it the cane? Does it say on that, it is, on that note there? That... It is cane in here. So boning wise, um, it started with whalebone, of course. Yeah. Um, and then whalebone was always difficult find difficult to get hold of mm -hmm. i think the prices fluctuated um the, the quality of it fluctuated so everybody was constantly looking for other ways that you could bone a corset so you get a variety of different types of boning all at the same time unfortunately because it would be really useful if they just stopped using one and then used another for yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that would be far convenient it, it be far more convenient but they don't so you get watch spring steel so you see that advertised a lot, mm -hmm. which is just a really fine, thin steel. You get a flat steel that's covered in like a linen, which helps to stop rust coming through. Yes, that's that was always something I thought about when I when I originally found out, you know, as, as a young person about corsets and the fact they were steel. I was just like, how do you wash it? Like particularly if you're like scrubbing it, that it must rust really mm -hmm. easily and it'd be creaky and. <laughs> The first thing is you never wore the corset next to your skin. Of course. You always wore your white linen underneath that was washable, so that got washed more regularly. Um, if you can afford it, it was linen or it was cotton. Linen is better. It wicks away moisture a lot better mm -hmm. than cotton does. Um, and then obviously you'd have had your corset on and then you'd have worn your clothes over the top. So the corset itself probably didn't get dirty as such. It would have got moisture. Yeah, moisture yeah. seeped into it. Um, and I think we've just got to forget how we launder clothes today. And I think there would have been a lot more airing out. Yeah. And yeah. then just sponging mm. rather than like doing a full seat. wash every yeah. time. Yeah. Because that's something that's a lot easier for us now. You just sort of bung it in the washing machine, set it away for an yeah, hour or walk two. Away and come back yeah, and come back, yeah. hang it up, done. Yeah. Yeah, wasn't like that then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I was just I was thinking about the amount of labour that one would have to do at the time and just how warm you would get as well, like scrubbing things, hanging things up, pulling things down. Yeah. No central heating though. Also, yes. Oh, isn't it lovely to live in the present day with central heating? <laughs> I really think about it. 
especially after last winter. Oh yes. Yeah. 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 I was listening to an episode of the thing about Austin where it was talking about um in Sense and Sensibility, you know, Marianne, she goes out after that that break with Willoughby, you know, she gets you know, it's raining, she's running around and she comes home and how many people are like, Oh, it's it's so unrealistic that she would get sick from that and I was like, Well not really, she's got wet feet, she's like soaked through, so it's not just that like, it's gone through layers of her they're not in the best financial situation the dashwoods i mean they're okay they're in quite a nice little cottage they're not in a mansion but they are in a cottage and you know then they didn't have the fire going so then they've got to start the fire back up so every single moment she's just cold and wet and there's no central heating when she has to go to bed upstairs there's not a fire in that room either so they've tried to like warm her up as much as possible mm. but it actually makes quite a lot of sense that she's getting ill it's off different. of it yeah I wonder what kind of corset she was wearing. <laughs> I also wonder that. <laughs> they would have been corded at that point. Oh. So far more cording. Um, so they would have they would have still had a corset and it would have still been it's probably to our minds quite restrictive. Yeah. Um and then but you wouldn't have had this what's called a split busk down the front, so that busk mm. wouldn't have opened, so it would have been one set. Yeah, that's the, the one you have to be put yes. in by somebody else. Yeah, yeah again I was I was I've read the whole thing yeah. last night. <laughs> I was, I was, I was like, I've got to be, got to be up on things for Sarah. Yeah. Um, There's other things I was looking at as well, actually, which is interesting because I'd never thought about that before. But when they do change from being kind of back fastening to front fastening, then suddenly different, different people can wear them because of, it's hard you to do, do it on yourself. Yeah, you, you can, you can do them up yourself. Yeah, I like that as a kind of movement of just being like, I, I can get dressed in the morning. I don't need a family member. Don't need a servant. Don't need anybody. You know, you're far more in control of just like your own body and your own dress and I think that's like quite a substantial moment. Yeah, I think there was quite a to do about that though as well. <laughs> I can imagine yeah. so. So the the split busk it was at uh, one of the um one of the shows in about eighteen fifty two. Yes. It was yes. yes. Um you see it in mass manufactured corsets from the eighteen sixties. You tend to see um, split busks coming in. Yeah, no, we, we were also poring over um, the advertisement they had for the Great Exhibition of all these hygienic corsets that had like proper ventilation because of the busking. You know, you didn't, have, you weren't like fully laced up. There's there's movement there, so that was also interesting to think about as as something that you would advertise as well. Just being like, we're at Crystal Palace, and here are our wares. Here is our stall. And you know that's that's the moment of concern that they're looking at um, in the time period, which I thought was also yeah. quite enlightening, really. I wonder how effective they actually were, and I'm kind of wondering that with this as well because I feel like if I was in a very hot country, I would still be very warm wearing that, even though it is ventilated. I mean, the the canes run fairly close together, so yeah, there's not not a terrific lot of ventilation. Mm -hmm. Also. I don't know how good it would have been at ventilating because that's something I've not been able to try. Mm. I have worn a corset like this. Oh, yes. And they aren't uncomfortable. That's yeah. good to know. I, th I think everybody thinks tight lacing is a corset. Yeah. Yes. Hayley, English Women's Domestic Magazine, you're a big fan of the publication. Yes, <laughs> I am. So there was the um, like infamous debate about corsets in the English Women's Domestic Magazine, which some people debate kind of uh, what exactly happened <laughs> with that because Samuel Beaton uh, edited the magazine, uh, or he's one of the editors of the magazine, and some people think that he actually started it or he was participating it, in it himself anonymously. Um, so there was a letter written into the Conversation page, which was like a, ev everyone could write into that, um, kind of about the the terrible new straight lacing thing and how that was so dangerous for young women and a mother who was horrified that her daughter had been straight laced into a corset while she was at boarding school I think she was um, and then loads of people wrote in about corsets kind of either debating that no they're not terrible it's fine and uh, or saying yeah this is why have we allowed this to happen and why are women wearing these and actually, occasionally, um, a couple of men wrote in saying that they liked to wear corsets and could anybody recommend corsets that would be would be good for them. So it, it turned into just like it came out every month um, and it was ongoing for ages, just this like, 
<laughs> debate about corsets and whether they were terrible or not. There has actually been some suggestion that some of it shouldn't be taken as kind of, um, I say, not historically accurate, but as as a, a fair representation of how people felt about corsets. Because reading um, some of the entries, there might be an edge of fetishization about yes. the corsets to that, and just kind of trying to get responses from the magazine um, for that for that purpose, and instead of it being a serious conversation about um, <laughs> corsets and and, uh, and how they were really how they, used, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean that's always what you're looking for in a publication, isn't it? You're you're looking to get as many people coming back and yes, reading. Yeah. yeah, and I suppose being scandalised, you know. Yeah, I mean it... triggering a scandalous debate was obviously great for business. Yeah, because you, you have to buy the next instalment of the magazine to find out <laughs> who's arguing with you next. <laughs> like checking a Twitter thread of arguments or something, I guess. Something I spend far too much of my time doing. Yeah. <laughs> so, one of the questions that we wanted to ask was because corsets and i think actually now when you say mm -hmm. corsets to people they do generally have quite a bad reputation people think of them as being just like really uncomfortable it's something that was inflicted upon women trying to uphold unrealistic beauty standards of having a really tiny waist and um, and potentially that kind of um, like symbol of patriarchy as well mm -hmm. uh, do you think they have been misrepresented, though, in your opinion? It's really it difficult, that? isn't it? Because um, I think I think they sort of still are, because it, they perpetuated this. Of course, it's really, really uncomfortable. Um, I think probably compared to how we feel and what we wear today, which is um, not constricting at all, then, yeah, you will probably feel that they were a little bit more uncomfortable than what we wear. But wonder why bras aren't particularly comfortable mm. either. Something my boss said the other day when I said I was <laughs> yeah. coming here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and you get some that are more comfortable than others. I think you would have got that with corsets. You would have found a shape, a style that, that, yeah. that was comfortable for you, more comfortable for you. I think we also have to remember that there wasn't anything else. So there weren't bras. Um, there was nothing to support you. Mm. And corsets did support, they didn't suspend, which is what bras do so that none of that weight on your shoulders yeah they supported your front but they also supported your back mm. and also the weight of your clothes was a lot heavier than the weight of the clothes that we wear today so the the corset would have acted more like a scaffolding so it would have dissipated mm. that weight so i think you have to put everything in context to what else was going on at that time yeah the whole small waist thing um is a on-running debate. Mm. Um, I can only talk about what we have in the Symington archive. Uh, so Symington's were a mass manufacturer from around 1860. Um, the corsets that we have in the collection are not only Symington's, but they are other manufacturers as well that Symington's bought in to have a look at what everybody else was doing. And we also have corsets that, uh, although don't have Symington's labelling, possibly were manufactured by Symington's because they made on licence for a lot of other companies. The ones in the collection that we have, we have two 18-inch waists, only two. The rest tend to be 22, 24. Mm. But you wouldn't have, you would have worn a corset that was two inches smaller than your waist measurement. Right. So you would always ah. had a gap at the back. You would right. never have done your corset up closed. Oh, okay. So a 22 inch would have been worn by somebody 24 or even 26, depending on your shape, your general shape. If oh. you're a more curvy figure, yeah. more of an hourglass figure with flesh that manipulates, you can tend to be able to get your waist down smaller, more comfortably than somebody who is more athletic mm. and solid. So if it's all muscle, yeah, you can't squat it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you can try your best, but you're not going to yeah. make much yeah, progress. Yeah. Um, and of course, it's too tend to work better on people who have flesh to manipulate. Mm. Well, I was sort of like digging around when we were talking about sort of smaller sizes and sort of the wasp waist earlier. And one thing that I was looking at was some people seem to have thought that one of the reasons why we have such small sizes surviving is because it was stock that wasn't so much really. Um, it was um, sort of surviving stock, stock that mm -hmm. hadn't been sold. So potentially one of the reasons why we have the smaller sizes because those were just the ones that weren't 
as popular and weren't sold. So I suppose like the modern day equivalent is it's near impossible to find like a size 14 or 16 when you go into the local shops. But like they it, sell out. <laughs> exactly, but it would be much easier to find like a size 4 or a size 22 or something like that. I think also when you're buying one in to have a look at, when you're wanting to keep one off the line or for some reason they kept mm -hmm. these, really not sure why. They were apparently found in a cupboard in the late 40s. That's always too exciting. You're like, what if I open a cupboard one day and I find yeah. something amazing? Um, so these tend to be between 22 and 24 inches. Mm -hmm. But smaller sizes look nicer. True. Take this up, quick. Yeah, so if you're mocking something up yeah. as well. Um, but we do have on one of them, mm -hmm. and I need to refind it, on, okay. because um, the details that we have on these were written by the gentleman that looked after the archive whilst he was working at Symington's. Is that Christopher Page? Yes. Yes. Um, a lot of it you do have to, it's a very good starting point. Fantastic. You can't take it all as, as read, but it's a very good starting point. And he did, and one of them was mass manufactured up to the waist size of 36 inches. Oh. Now you wouldn't mass manufacture, of course, if you weren't selling it. Yeah. Um, you've also, I mean, it's the same with the clothes. All the, a lot of the clothes that we have, a lot of the dresses that we have from that period are all quite small. But it, you could also look at it as the fact that they were kept for sentimental value. They were kept because they could. They didn't have to pass them on or they didn't have to remake them or they were too small to be remade into something else. But also because there's sentimental um, value attached to them, which and that sentiment normally happens when you're younger. So that you know, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty first ball, or you met somebody, that sort yeah. of thing. Um, when you're at your smallest, yes. But if you had eight children, you're not going to be the same shape. Yeah, it's something I always think when I look at, you know, one of the last pictures of Elizabeth Gaskell that, you know, was ever taken because, you know, by the time she died, she was not the smallest woman you've ever seen. And, you know, you can see her and she's sat with sort of like these massive folds and she's clearly wearing like a very structured corset. And I always look at it and think, I think I could get into that. <laughs> so like it must, there must yeah. have been something for me. There was also a lot of optical illusion going on. If you've got a big skirt and big sleeves, then it makes your waist look smaller. Yeah. Yeah, and it was all about proportions. I have a really weird aside here, which was I was looking at a different YouTube video again when I was on my my trawl through the internet for corset corsetry things, um, and I was looking at photographs and people were talking about how like photographs have been manipulated yeah. to make things. So if you looked at the background, there were like weird curves. Some of them have been done really well. Some of them I've not. seen some no, not, <laughs> yeah. not so good. Um, yeah, Photoshop is not new. <laughs> And you could do a lot in the dark room as well. Yeah, because that, that one really, because I was just like, oh, you know, because when you see, you know, a person as a photograph, your mind, I think, automatically goes to, this must just be what this person looks like. And it wasn't until someone sort of picked up on these things. I was like, oh, they're actually, you know, quite average size. They're, they're nowhere near as, as, as small as this waist is trying to depict itself because it's sort of like, um, altered it back to the way that it was and, mm. so, and that's the fashion does change though with corsets over time as well doesn't it because i can't remember what year this is and i'm probably going to have to check it and put it in the description but um when the skirts became kind of all the way around um with the, what would you call it? like flounced with, yeah or, yeah with like the crinoline like, yeah yes then around the 1860s your waist did look smaller yeah. because the rest of your body is yeah being <laughs> pushed out so yeah and also one of the things that I wanted to ask you about anyway was um, with the advertisements for corsets they always have that like wasp waist very very tiny impossibly so in a lot of adverts look to them. yeah they're, they're all drawn aren't they so yeah. yes um, and a lot of people yeah. have said I noticed that if that were true if people were really trying to get their waist so tiny then the collections would show that so I was going to ask you, in the collection here, are there any really tiny ones? Two 18-inch yeah. within this collection. Um, I think also, I mean, there were people that, same as now, there are yeah. always going to be people that take things to the extreme. Yeah. Um, and there are people that are naturally got a small waist compared exactly. to everything else. Exactly. Um, and of course, it would have been fantastic for them, you know, if you... Um, but yeah, the smaller the corset, 
the more delicate it is, the more brittle it is, because yeah. you're, all of those bones are going into a point, mm. a very small point around the waistline. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know whether there's an argument to say that maybe they didn't survive those really tiny ones because the more you wore them, they just disintegrated. I don't know. Yeah, I am making, I'm not, clearly I mean, making that up now. <laughs> I was going to say, but it, 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 it sounds like it could be true. It's a bit like, because uh, I remember, I'm thinking off the top of my head, because one of my questions was about the pretty housemaid, because that one was very specifically marketed, and I even saw sort of additional ones saying, this is really strong, it's really, mm -hmm. really durable. Years guarantee. Exactly. Exactly. It's the not the only one that Symington did that had a year's guarantee. That was the guarantee course, I believe. Yes. And there was yes. a, there was a couple more as oh, well. Wow, they just they really they were yeah. really ahead of their time the without one year warranty. Their marketing was very, very good. And you can see immediately on the, the advertisement for that cheapest is also there alongside strongest. So were the ones with the guarantees generally marketed for people on who wouldn't have as much money to spend? That I don't know. I'm I'm going to quote yourself back <laughs> um, because I believe you said in that bargain hunt one that this was worth two months' wages. Yes, we worked it out that because oh, wow, it's very, no, no, no. So, so Simon Twins were not the cheapest on the market. Right, they were not the most expensive. They were that middle of the road, and they they prided themselves on quality. So this was cheap for Simon Twins, but it was not actually cheap or cheap in terms for of a wages. for a corset that was going to last you a year. Yeah. Which kind of leads me back to, again, I always have these, you know me from various seminars and conferences, I always ask questions of researchers, and even myself, that I can't possibly answer. Because <laughs> I was thinking, if it's so durable, if it's so thick, do you think that it's too warm? Again, you, don't, you, do, you could just have a personal opinion <laughs> about that one. Um, or do you just think it's I very... Th I think probably not. Oh, fantastic. I think, I think, I mean, on, on the, the rare hot day, then that probably you would have been uncomfortable, but that doesn't happen that often no. in Britain, does it? So no. <laughs> I think majority of the time it might have been quite comfortable, as in you know, it held you. Um, you would have you would have you would have laced it up so it was comfortable, so it supported, but wasn't yeah. too tight that you couldn't. I'm really interested. By the label again on the, the front there that says it's furnished with the new busk protector. Um, so this is, oh. is a patented busk protector. Um, effectively, it's a piece of metal that goes behind the busk on around the waist. Mm -hmm. So busks, um, it's a metal, but it's, it's just a metal strip on both sides with these hooks attached. Um, but they did break. So metal fatigue, okay. constant bending, they tended to snap, and they would snap around that waistline because obviously that's where they're going to get the most wear. Um, so this extra piece of metal that oh. just sits behind just prolongs the life of your busk. It's really <laughs> clever. I have a question for you. Could you, like, for example, like, I don't know, like buy spare parts of corsets and like sew in a new one? Yes, you could. You could. We've got two in the collections that have busks that are laced in. Oh, oh, that's clever. So that Christopher did say that probably for laundering, so you could take the busk out, but there was still other metal left in the corset. <clears throat> or it could be when your busk broke, if your busk broke, you could actually replace it yourself and you didn't have to send it off to a corset. Yeah, because if I was wearing that, I'm not sure that I'd want to lay out another two months worth. I'd just be like, oh, let's just get another bit of metal and put <laughs> yeah. it in there. We've also got one in the collections that was worn. It's slightly later than these. Mm -hmm. um, and there's quite a lot of patching going on. There's a lot of um, mending, um, so which is nice to see. Yeah. Oh, it, it vividly reminds me of, God, do I ever stop talking about Elizabeth Gaskell, Hayley? <laughs> is there one moment in my life where I'm not talking about that woman? It reminds me of that moment in Wives and Daughters where Mrs Gibson, who's quite a... A woman who likes to go above her means, you know, she likes, she wants, she, de she definitely wants to be like of a higher class than she is. And so whenever she buys things, she buys like pretty ribbons and stuff on the outside, but like all of her skirts and all of her corsetry is like mended time and time again. It's like on its last possible legs, mm. but she will not spend any of the money that she's given on renewing it. She's only interested in sort of outward appearances. Mm. So it does remind me of that. And the, the dresses that we have in our collections would have been owned by people who were reasonably wealthy. Yes. That's why they are still here. Yes. A lot of them are darned and mended. And I 
think that's really quite important. I like to show students that because you couldn't just that the fabric was expensive. A seamstress was very cheap. A fabric was very expensive, yeah. and that's why it was remade, remade as many times as you possibly could. Yeah, and and, mended. Think, and over those years as well, you would you would have such a sentimental value towards it as well because mm-hmm. you just be like. I've had this and it's been mended this many times and you have like creative solutions to mending as well. I mean, we see that nowadays as sort of like patches and different parts of embroidery that you can do to sort of yes, cover Some things. are mended a lot better than others. Oh no. <laughs> some really poor, um, uh, yeah, really poor sewing on, oh, on no. some of them. Are the corsets generally more carefully repaired or are they quite kind of solid? I don't know, we've only got one that colors. is repaired and no. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. No. <laughs> oh, okay. And um, the ones in the Simonton collection, um, I think there's only one that's possibly been worn. The rest aren't as new. Yeah. Um, they were possibly worn for fashion shows that Simonton's did. So they were very keen on not looking back, but they would, they would have somebody dressed in a corset and say, "This is what you were wearing fifty years ago, hundred years ago, but this is what we're doing now." Yeah. So they were always forward looking. Um, so even in the 80s when corsets did start to sort of um, come back for sort of day wear, evening wear, Simon has never re- revisited them. Mm. I think that leads quite nicely into your question about corsets in the modern day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So obviously corsets have kind of, not like this, but just the, the corset design, the corset shape on t-shirts even, things like that become quite everywhere again yeah (laughs) which is interesting considering it has been seen previously as that kind of symbol of you know it's something that's really restrictive and women were made to wear them or it's this really negative symbol of you know trying to have unrealistic body and and that kind of thing and there was an article in vogue last year about that kind of corsets coming back into fashion and they suggested that when the corsets were underneath your clothes then they represented that kind of constriction but now that they're outside now they're on display it's kind of the opposite of that and now it represents kind of embracing so you're like, choosing to wear one and, yeah yeah i wonder just, just what you thought about that generally i've never really thought about it before but yes yeah i mean i think until you've put one on it is quite it is quite they are quite nice. They are. Yeah. They they do support you, and you feel quite nice in them. Yeah, I remember um, Bernadette Banner did um, a video on that because uh, she has, I believe, um, scoliosis. Yeah. So she had to wear something that was quite corset-like as a teenager, and she was kind of explaining that you know that wasn't so far away from a corset. It was actually like because it was designed for her body, and it was you know sort of structured and pinned up like to fit it you know without being too tight it was just it was a supportive garment more than anything else yeah it does it's interesting how they overlap between that kind of um supportive practical but also really pretty because all of these even the ones that are kind of like this is for work or this is for sports (laughs) this is for riding this is gorgeous (laughs) they are they're made of really beautiful material they've all got lace at least somewhere and yeah, I mean, they ventilated, um, so we do have quite a lot in the collections that got the floss work on, which is this mm-hmm. embroidery detail, which is, it's decorative, but it's also practical, so it stops the boning moving up and down in the boning channel and rubbing through the fabric. Uh, and we know this is cane in here because um, the floss work has been stitched through. Oh, yes. Yes, the needle can get through it. Yeah. Um, but the ladies who are doing the floss work will find a penny for every needle that they broke. That's very hard. And they only oh, got paid no. a dozen motifs. And each, and then obviously depending on the um, how intricate the design was, how intricate the motif was, depending on how much you got paid. I think I'd have been in deficit by the end of the day. Yeah, I <laughs> break so many needles. Not even doing something, not even trying to get through cane. I just break them. And yeah. It's so thick. Yes. Yeah. You would have had to, yeah, it, I think it was all about, you know, obviously not pulling the fabric out before the needles come up. And it's just really thinking about it. And needles were expensive. Mm. So you can understand why Simonton's did that. 
Um, this has got a lot of floss work on it, and this where it joins, where you've got this ring of, of, of embroidery that joins each floss work across mm -hmm. the top, is not really needed at all. That is That's purely decorative. Yeah. Um, it is very lovely. It is, <laughs> and even even the pretty housemaid, <coughs> which was made and marketed directly at Women in Service, has got floss work on oh, the side. Oh, that's gorgeous! I've never seen it from this angle. <laughs> So it's a khaki colour with blue and gold floss work on the sides. And it's a really bright blue yeah. as well, which is actually quite a difficult colour as I understand it to make. Oh, with the dyes? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that, that is like a, it's an extra sort of level of um, decadence for your two months wage, isn't it? It really is, because this actually, this flock of work, floss work is purely decorative it actually doesn't do anything because it doesn't go around the bottom oh yeah and it doesn't go through it so this is whalebone on the sides so it just it wraps around it how amazing yeah. and i guess again it's that kind of marketing isn't it like buy your corset from from symington's and not only is it going to last you a year and it's very good value but also it's got that uh, appeal to it because it's a beautiful thing as well. yeah and it, there's very little um boning in it there's the whalebone on the sides and then there's metal either side of the eyelets on the back which you always get which you need there's a lot of strain being taken on that back seam so you need to stay straight and then there's the busk at the front the majority of the other support in this is cane is um cording um and this cord was paper twine so it was manufactured by simington's and it is fiber-based paper that came in different width strips and then a machine would twist it, run it through a vat of water and dye, and then it would dry the other end and it would retain this really tight twist. We've actually got a corset that's coming apart. Really useful. It was coming apart before yeah. I came here. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you can see it. I'll, I'll get that in a moment. And it's still twisted, even though it's oh. been out of the corset for decades. That's amazing. That sounds as though would actually be quite comfortable as well. I imagine that being, although really strong, quite flexible. Yeah, it gives a nice, um, strong but supple fabric. Mm. Okay, so I know that we've discussed, because, um, you know, as, as well as doing the podcast, we have the videos, we've got some baking videos, we've got some gaming ones, we've talked about sewing. Hayley, I'm going to tell you, I, when I was looking this up last night, if you look up The Pretty Housemaid, the first few uh, hits that come up on the internet are people who have recreated it by hand, really? using the patterns. and. I know that we've spoken about sewing in the past, but it looks like the most uh, <laughs> endurance work of my life, and we're going to have to buy so many needles should that ever happen. <laughs> but maybe one day, years yeah. in the future, once we've honed all of our skills, we'll make one. We'll do it for you because you're a slighter woman than me, so that'll be less sewing. We'll pop you in it. <laughs> exactly, and you can tell us what it feels like to be in the pretty housemaid. Does it make you feel like a pretty housemaid? <laughs> <laughs> do, do you look like the lady on the box yeah. cover? Yes. She oh, doesn't look very proud of herself. She's caught a glimpse of herself in the mirror. Yeah. And just thought how how elegant I look in yes. my pretty housemaid course. Which is particularly clever because obviously from an advertising perspective, then you like look at it from both sides, look at the shape that it's giving to her. Yeah. It's almost very lady of the house as she sort of moves past, isn't it? It's like oh, just sort of like walking by, looking at my own reflection. Mm. So Simonton's also designed and printed the box tops as well. So they did everything in-house. <coughs> um, and they designed box tops for other companies as well. And That's... really lovely, the font on that one. Yeah, some of the artwork is really lovely. Yeah, I mean, that's one way of just, is of really like sort of bringing in as much money as possible yeah. with every single element and you're doing it for other companies. And again, when I was reading that book last night, they also they did all the laundry in house as well. And they had their own like boiler house. So like, I've got to show you this part at the end of this book because it had not occurred to me before how you would get the form down. And they have these copper forms that they shove sort of like heat into and they put the corsets over them and they like, starch them so that they can like get the form. Yeah, I think the introduction of steam into producing corsets changed the kind of production of them for a lot, didn't it? I, I don't know, actually. <laughs> I, I know that I know the, the Swiss maidens that you're talking about, yeah, they had benches lined up with them. Just bolted and then the steam was shot up inside. Yeah, that yeah. one I've just never heard of that yeah. before. That that seemed like a like a real innovation. Yeah. I was a little bit worried for everybody on sort of the the lines because I was just like my hands are very close to something hot yeah. and Dangerous. burning. Yeah, 
But then Victorian factories weren't exactly known for being. They like, did have a, they did have an infirmary at the, at the factory. Yes. Oh, they had it free. <laughs> there is the most beautiful. Okay, we're going we're going off topics for a nineteenth century podcast predominantly, but there is a beautiful picture of the the women had their own separate restroom. They had a restroom in 1929, and I looked at that picture and I saw these two women literally like sitting down with their feet up, and I thought, oh, that's actually quite a nice room. I think I wouldn't mind having that room. <laughs> so Perry Gold, who was the daughter. So R is Robert, W.H. Yes. is William Henry, yes. who were the two firstborn sons. Um, and then there was Perry Gold. I can't remember where she came in the order, but she was, she was the oldest girl. Mm-hmm. I think there was about eight or ten of them. Um, and she had to work for 30 years before they allowed her on the board. Oh. But she was in charge of the women. She hired them. She was the one that set up the restroom for them. And the, um, she did look after them. Mm. Um, by today's standards, you'd think that it wasn't that good. But by standards then, they did look after their workforce. They were renowned for being poor payers. But then, yeah. but then manufacturing and sewing particularly didn't pay that well yeah so it's kind of what you expect yeah but they had restrooms on every floor they had water fountains on every floor which sounds really great and it was but also it means that your machinist is away from their machine for the least amount of time Mm. they used to allow because the school day ran shorter than the work day they would allow the, the children of their employees to come in and sit with them after school that makes a lot of sense that's that's really John Thornton from North and South, again, Elizabeth, should have taken some notes down. (laughs) It does, because they did a lot of oral history um, with people who worked in Simonton's or whose family worked in Simonton's. And they were asked, well, how did you, you know, what did you do on your first day with us? Was the training? And they said, well, no, we just started because they'd sat and watched their parents do it for years. Yeah, yeah. So that's doubly clever actually because you're kind of sneakily training <laughs> the next generation of your workforce yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for free. Yeah, I think Sissy Abbott was um, one of the workers there and she was saying, oh, well, you know, your grandmother had worked there, your mum had probably worked there, all your aunts worked there. You spent most of your childhood just sort of around sort of, I think it was like, I think it's called the French room or something. Yes. Um, yes. French um, grey. Yeah, they... yeah, so they're all the colours of the corsets. Oh. Yeah, and so it's just like you were there and you seen it and so you just sort of went into it it was familiar yeah and i think that we would see maybe perry gold as being maybe a bit too matronly and a bit too um intrusive in some ways because i know there were like some social gatherings and again sissy was talking about um there were dances and they were like you know oh if if a gentleman dances you to the point where they lifted you off the floor oh she'd be right down there telling you absolutely yeah. not <laughs> none of that sit on a dais at the top and she'd send somebody down to fetch you yeah. <laughs> you had to go yeah. on she'd tell you but i mean for the time quite positive because again elizabeth gaskell's ruth one of the reasons why that all goes to pot really early on, because Ruth is a seamstress, she's just a little seamstress in a cottage, and because the woman doesn't look after her, she doesn't have that matronly role, she doesn't protect her, she doesn't guide her, she doesn't give her any advice, she's basically just a pair of hands working away. That's one of the reasons why she she, she is seduced away, because mm. there isn't that role. So yeah, putting it in the context of the time... Victorian literature quite a lot really, doesn't it? the danger of not having the protective mother figure to save you from the terrible yeah. men. <laughs> yeah, and to give you some guidance on what is appropriate yeah. and what is not appropriate behaviour. Yeah, the dances were every Saturday night. Oh, that is regular. And then they used to take them out for days out as well. Oh, and there was a there was a company band. So there was one day when it was icy and they took the train out to one of the ponds and they went out skating oh, and they yeah. took the band with them and they played. That sounds amazing. That sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> and there was inter-department football teams as well. Oh, I can imagine that got quite competitive. <laughs> <laughs> but that that does sound really exciting. So even if you didn't get paid that much, if someone's sort of, you know, shipping you out to, you know, go and have a day on the ice or to have footballs or they're, they're sort of hosting dances, I suppose I mean, pay would be good. <laughs> but simultaneously, you know, you're not having to lay out additional money mm-hmm. To either sort of take time off or to get the train there yourself or to, to go to dances further afield than 
in Market Harborough. This is a complete change of subject. Go. The bottom of this corset, and why does it have the kind of ribbons? Suspenders. Oh, they're suspenders. You start to get suspenders attached to corsets from around the 1900s. Prior to that, you do have suspenders, but they would be on a separate pad that would just hook onto a corset stud. Yeah. Um, and to begin with, they are just at the front and uh, to hold your stockings up. Um, I don't believe I've ever worn stockings and suspenders. No. <laughs> Only when I used to act. And oh, right, yes. Well, they <laughs> don't always have the best things. Oh, they were all back in the 80s when I was at school, so you know, you oh, yeah. them. Um, if they're only at the front, well, you basically have a suspender at the front and then on the side, and your back dips down and it becomes actually quite uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. So I can, I can imagine. imagine if you've only got them at the front, yeah. your back would just literally end up dipping down. And obviously, not going to be seen, but I would have thought that it would have been quite uncomfortable. But if that's all you're used to, then. Yeah, then you don't really see. It's a bit like, I suppose, nowadays, you know, when you have to, like, pull up your tights, and we haven't really found a, a solution no. for tights yet, but it's just something you just, like, oh, you've got to, like, drag it up from around yeah. your knees. Yeah. yeah, and then you ladder them when you're halfway up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we need, where are the technological innovations? Yeah, still a problem. We've <laughs> slowed <today>. down. <laughs> but, yeah, no, this was the one I was telling you about, because, you know, this is one that isn't, based around sort of the front so the sports course you know you've got the full rotator cuff movement and you could go for a ride so they're not it's not coming down over the hip um but you know we were looking at it and like it's such a beautiful piece it is. and actually one of the things that you were saying is it doesn't look as though in comparison to other corsets it would have actually given you any support because it's a lot lower to allow for that it is movement. but it, it is all the support around the waistline and then you've still got the lacing at the back uh-huh I was going to say, I was like, Sarah will be able to tell us how I'm wrong. <laughs> so you have still got the lacing at the back and you've still got the support at the back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Without it going any further up, how does that work for, for support in that particular area? What year are we? 1900? Yes. I think it's on. <laughs> it says 1900. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you were starting to get a bust improver. Oh, oh, oh. We were looking at the most concerning contraption I think I've ever witnessed, the lemon cup. Oh, it's fantastic. Is Okay, again, I'm so ready to be proven wrong on this. because I, I It's, it's out on loan at the moment, so I can't show you, but it is, it's just fantastic. So instead, we've also got ones that are literally just a cotton pad with fabric round them. Well, wool, wool pad mm -hmm. with uh, fabric round it that you would just slip inside. Because it was all about proportions, mm -hmm. if your bust wasn't as big as it should be for your waist measurement, then you would just add, you would have extra padding and you would place that in there. Um, the lemon cup is just one step beyond because that is, um, it's called the lemon cup because apparently it looks like a lemon cut in half from underneath. Maybe. I struggle <laughs> with that one. <laughs> So you would have still had support. You would have also had a chemise underneath. So that would there would have been there would have been something, something there. Yeah, I think it's just my quite uh, I guess twenty first century mentality of like if it doesn't have straps, it's confusing to imagine how it might how it might function yeah. as like an everyday everyday wear. Really early ones did, didn't they? They had straps. Yes. Kind of really. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, 1840s, 1830s, you would have had a strap, and which sat right on the edge. Oh no, oh that annoys me more than anything. Which is really difficult when you're trying to um, dress it on a mannequin or a tablecloth <laughs> yeah. because they don't have the shoulders, so they have to build up shoulders. But yeah, they did sit right there, and then they were just tied. I guess that does make sense with like some of the necklines that you might have worn of an yeah. evening for they evening were dress. Off the shoulder, weren't they? Not quite, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> edging yeah. there yeah <laughs> yeah it's interesting how that kind of came full circle for the undergarments have have straps and then then they were like this isn't working all. out and then we ended up with them again <laughs> we've got one from this period that does have straps okay. um called the queen bess and that's got a little bit of um like a bustle attached to it as well um, but it's the only one that we have that's sort of a little bit different yeah majority yeah, from this period are this shape so these would have only come up to nipple line, so they wouldn't have been high. Ah, okay. Because um, they didn't need to be. 
which yeah. is one with with modern day corsets you tend to find the cut a little bit higher um because you're wearing them as outerwear mm. yeah so, that mm-hmm. makes sense and also with the gap at the back um you tend to find that people put a modest what they call a modesty panel behind the lacing because corsets work on the manipulation of flesh, and you, you can lose a couple of inches on your waist depending on your shape prior, when you put it on, you tend to get a crease down the back. Oh. Which doesn't look particularly pleasant. So if you're wearing it as outerwear, if you have this modesty panel, then it just covers that up. Yeah. And also if you're wearing a skirt or trousers, mm-hmm. and your corset comes down below, then you've basically got, you can see where your trousers or your, corset, yeah. or your skirt comes mm-hmm. across the back with this stops all that. Smooth as everything. Yes, and it can look quite pretty as well. So if you use um, different colours or different coloured lacing, you can really make the lacing pop. Yeah. Speaking of colour, I really love the colour of this. Is this one. Yeah, the with black the with the blue. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the the Menzies corset, um, and I've got the box top for that. Gorgeous. Which tells you all of the things that you can do in your corset. Yes, so it just says here, new adjustment recommended by the medical faculty. The co- it was a little bit, wasn't it? <laughs> the corset adjusts itself to every figure, gives symmetry and comfort to all wearers, can be adjusted in the front when required, the back can be kept perfectly closed. A bust can be replaced by the simple method of lacing, no sewing required, advantages that no other corset has. For golfing, cycling, riding, and other sports, the Menzies corset has no equal to be had in all qualities. That sounds quite impressive. I was actually imagining that that lacing at the front, because it has two panels of lacing, I thought that was decorative, but actually you could use that to adjust it as well. Yes, yeah, so you've got you've got lacing at the back. Oh, that is a lot of lacing involved. It is. I mean, there's a lot of potential adjustment as well. Was that specifically for this one, or was I don't know. We don't have any others in the collection. Only we've got two Menzies ones that are like this. We have others that so the but they look like Mm -hmm. an ordinary um, corset, but the busk's laced in. But it's not like that. Yeah, I'm going to make a suggestion of what it might be. Again, I I don't know, but I'm making a suggestion. Okay, so. When I was looking at some of the other advertisements, so there was, um, it was like a two for one deal corset called Morn and Noon. Um, and it was like for, for higher society ladies, it seems. So like you had something for your morning dress, you had something for your noon dress if you're a woman who's changing several times a day. And I was just thinking, this does seem like, I suppose like an early version of like sports support. So if it can go for all these different activities, mm. you might need to adjust it in, in different ways. So it's like for golf, you might be a little more, I don't know, straightened up at the back and like a little more loose at the front so you can bend. But if you're horse riding, I don't know, you might straighten it. I've never ridden a horse and you can tell. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So, so all in one yeah. situation is, is, is my suggestion. For somebody who maybe does different kinds of sports or you look at that and you think, oh, it doesn't matter that I want to do horse riding instead of golf because I can still use that yeah. and, and adjust it. That's, yeah. that's, my, that's my guess at least, my uneducated guess. I think unless you do all of those sports and you try it out, then you never know. <laughs> no, you Put it down as a second sewing <laughs> goal. <laughs> this, is, this is getting out of control, you have to find a horse, you have to someone to teach you how to ride a horse. <laughs> or just make it fit somebody who rides a horse. Yeah. As long as they can also, yeah. let's have a little <laughs> look. Yeah, yeah, golf and cycle and <laughs> quote unquote other sports unknown. We'll have to find some Victorian sports. Yeah. Also, never really thought before about how cycling becoming more of a thing for women than probably, well, it did change the fashion because it changed the skirts, but I never really thought about how you might have to consider your corset <laughs> if you wanted to go out and ride a bike. Yeah, I mean, as you know, I don't ride a bike, but as I understand, there's a lot of bending involved. What mm. if your wheel goes wrong and you have to bend down and fix something? I mean, hopefully, just, I mean, personally, I hope I just have somebody there and be like, something's happened to you, help. please <laughs> help. Please assist immediately. Um, but it's, again, really beautiful with like the black yeah. and the blue. And I really like this kind of like heart shaped ones yeah. at the top. That I, is really it you can't see the, um, I'm going to use the wrong word for this now, but the, the kind of 
bones or yeah. seeds or yeah the boning channels mm -hmm. yeah yeah so this is this is manufactured slightly differently to the ventilated so the ventilated does have boning channels stitched on the top these are stitched in to, as you make the corset you, you create the channels that sounds as though it would be more difficult to create um maybe not if you're yeah I think, <laughs> once you've sorted your pattern out that's absolutely fine if you're making for somebody they're really difficult to alter. Uh, yeah. These are really easy to alter. Um, but that might be but, more of a challenge. But when they're mass manufacturing something, then all of that's all sorted, all your patterns sorted. So yeah. manufacturing wise, I think once they've got it all set up, then probably there's no difference. This one looks in such perfect condition as well. Is this one that was never worn? Yeah, no. This hasn't been worn. They don't look like this no. after they've been worn. <laughs> Particularly if you're doing all of this all activity, those, yeah. <laughs> your horse ride, it which you would have to if you purchased it. <laughs> if, if, yeah, if I purchased it, it would be like buying a gym membership. It's like, oh, I've got to go and ride a horse. I better call up the girls for some golf. It is incredible, though, isn't it? Just to think, as a Victorian lady, you might have gone to the shop and seen exactly this in its box to choose your corset, and there it is, still perfect today. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I cannot describe to you how perfect it is. Okay, the, the best way I can describe it is, do you see the eyelets? Do you mm. see how shiny they are? Because yeah. I have so many eyelets and so many things, and I take <laughs> it out tarnished. once. Tarnished, rusted, yeah. gone. This is beautiful. And they're still in the fabric as yes. well. Yes. Perfectly put in. The black is so black, the blues are so blue. N not a stitch out of place. But I am kind of glad that I don't have to wear one when yeah. I do the sports. <laughs> that might... I think I'd rather cycle without a corset. <laughs> that is true. In, yeah. the, in an ideal world. Uh, the next one's a riding corset. Ah, specifically riding. riding. Yes. So this is the one that's got the kind of really high um, edges to go so your yes. legs can move? Yes. So that you're sitting there with your legs up and, it, yeah, the corset's not in the way. It does. So it's longer at the front and then cuts yeah. away at the side seams and at the back. It's not your kind of corset, corset shape that you imagine. Like the the one next to it is kind of, I think, what most people picture when they think of the shape of a corset. Very straight. Yep. Yep. That so we're slightly one. later here. So mm -hmm. we're 1905. Yes. Correct. <laughs> Edwardian. So we've with our shapes changed. So we're now into the S bend shape. Yes. Right. So the corsets shapes change a little bit. So instead of creating that small waist. It's all about the hips and having hips. So the cut and patting, the pattern cutting changes. Um, Again, I have a question that nobody could possibly know the answer to without one of us putting it on and getting a horse. Um, <laughs> procuring a horse and then leaving the industrial estate. Yes, unlike Very scientific, very scientific. Because um, I'm looking at it and you know, obviously there's there's cuts into the hips so you can get onto the horse. But every single time I look at it, you know, I've, I've read about it, they still mention riding side saddle. And I was thinking, I wonder if you could fully just get over a horse without having to do side saddle. Because your hips still have to be quite out to do side saddle because you're yeah. pootling a lot. I feel like you could. Again, yeah, I think I'm, you could with yeah, that one. I'm confidently saying I think I could get on a horse in that course. Luckily, listeners, Hayley will never have to prove this. <laughs> yeah, because I was just thinking about how like it might have changed even more had I don't know other social aspects of the world changed, and you know, ladies mm -hmm. sitting more. What would you call it? It's a stride. A stride. That's it. I was not about to say that, and I'm so glad that you stepped in. <laughs> Under the note for this one, it says that it has duplex whale boning. What does that mean? Yeah, just two two sets next to one another. So yeah, so there's two strips. Together. Oh my goodness! Oh, that's that'll have you firm in as you're riding along. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That I, I was going to say this one looks like it's quite soft, but actually, now that you pointed that out, I don't think it is that soft, is it? Uh, no, this section isn't at all. Uh, you've got but the upper. Yeah, you've got bust um, gussets there, and then it still laces at the back. So this would have come down. 
take your waists about there. Uh-huh. So you've then got those little gussets that would just. Oh, it's be quite over a lot hip. higher at the back than I would yeah. imagine, yeah. but I, I guess because you'd have to be. That part of your body has to be quite strong and flexible if you're riding. Again, I'm assuming because having. I mean, I sound like I've never seen a horse, don't I? It's not like I don't understand, but in theory. But it would still keep your back straight. Yes. So you, your, it would help with your posture. Can we. Sorry, do I was you just going to say from the back, especially in comparison, you can really see how much shorter that is. This back section, um, <laughs> this period, would be 18 inches. You always get. It going up at the back. Oh um, my goodness! And I was quite confused about this as to why this was. And I asked Crosstier when she came, and it was to smooth out your back fat. Oh, and it worked. That does make sense actually. <laughs> it works. Make a note of that one. <laughs> yeah, if you can imagine if it's dipped at the back, yeah, which you do tend to find when you're moving into the 1900s, mm. then they get lower at the back, and it just sits under where your bra strap. Yes. Yeah. Whereas these go that little bit higher. I can I can almost feel it on my skin as you're saying it. I can kind of feel it against my shoulder so just blades so and how that would smooth been, everything yeah. out, and you're less likely to get that roll of fat over the top. That's why everyone looks so incredible, Haley. It was all just <laughs> like smoothed down. Yeah, like shape wear today. <laughs> yes. And then you'd have worn a corset cover over the top to smooth everything off, and then you'd have worn your bodice over the top of that, which more than likely, if if it needed it, well, if it needed it, it definitely would have extra padding mm. sewn into the bodies. A lot of thought went into exactly creating that of, shape. Yeah, yes. And all the different purposes, and and also not just is it a pub fit to the purpose, but also how can we make that fit to purpose thing beautiful so that women want to buy it and wear it. And they are all of these are really gorgeous. Even I think also you have to remember that there were so many other corsets on the market at mm. the same time. So yes, you did need to make your stand out a little yeah. bit and make it a little bit pretty. Yes, nobody other than the wearer would probably see it, but you know, yeah, my grandma yeah. always used to say, you feel good if you've got nice underwear on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think it's really nice that actually, although a lot of the manufacturer, the designers were men, that they realized that, this, that yeah, we do want something that's nice. Yeah, I mean, you spend two months wage you don't yeah. want something utilitarian no and although that sort of is it, it isn't it's yeah. it's i feel like there's enough of it being utilitarian that you're like no this is an investment piece i am using yeah. my wages wisely it's a sensible purchase but it's nice enough that you're just like no and no i don't i won't hate it every single yeah. time i use it it's the lace around the top you can add chance lock colored ribbon through as well <gasps> that's beautiful yeah. i'm so excited for when you take a picture of that <laughs> that is such a nice idea and even the advert again it's just like from the the image of the woman looking in the mirror you're supposed to feel in that like i like the way i look yes it. and also obviously the box top the box top and the box side which is what the, so this would have been mm-hmm. on the side that's oh, what right that's what purchaser would have seen in the shop mm. so if you've got a lovely decorated box you would say oh can i look at that one and I really like that they've even put them, like, the word housemaid in it. Because if you were a housemaid or someone in domestic service walking by, you'd be like, oh, this is very specifically made for me. Mm. It would be quite, I suppose, like a, a nice moment because a lot of other um, corsets were got, not got really much, but they seem to be more like, be a lady, you know, sort of be um, fancy almost mm. in some of the examples that we've seen. Whereas this is like, be yourself still, but you can still wear something beautiful and practical that is, is designed with you in mind yeah and also it's stamped with <coughs> the pretty house with just in case you wanted to buy another one but it's forgotten <laughs> what it was <laughs> although i do wonder if that would rub off i think in time yes it probably does sarah went to take another item out of storage for us so that we could see a damaged corset which was freeing so that we could see the many layers and components that it was made up of which also happened to be another ventilator corset. So this is the one that's coming apart, but it's also one oh. with the laced embossed. Oh, how wonderful. Oh, there's like eyelets all over the centerpiece yeah. of it. So you just run from that, switch your busk out. So it's made slightly mm-hmm. differently. So you're, um, there's normally a seam on the edge here. Right. Where you're but they've just sort of like they've just done like a, a buttonhole. Yeah. 
Yeah, this seems like it would be really useful for like if certain parts of it either broke or needed laundered. You know, I think that's what it was for. Probably more breaking than laundering. Right. You've still got metal eyelets, so the ventilation eyelets. I was just about to say, what are the eyelets for? They are for ventilation. Oh, I don't know how well they would work. But... Mm. I think we're in the anything you can get kind of situation. Oh my goodness, that truly is coming undone. So that is your paper twine. Right, yeah, the paper twine you were talking about. And you can also see that it's actually a third layer inside. So you've got your top layer of fabric, your lining, mm -hmm. and then an interior, an inner fabric of hessian. I thought so. So and that is dirty, isn't it? Yeah. So the pretty that housemaid is. has it. Because mm -hmm. when you look at it, you can just see sort of slight meeting mm -hmm. on the surface. They started; to, they used it quite a bit until about the nine, 1890s, and then started to. Uh, you don't see it quite so much. Mm -hmm. So you, they use hessian, and they also used felt. Um, hessian seems to be better. Whether the felt started to come away inside, I don't know. Yeah, it's one of those things you need to sort of. You need to try it, wouldn't you? You need to try it yeah. too. And yeah. I also had a corseteer in, and she'd actually tried. She got an industrial machine, and she actually made one with an interior of hessian. Mm -hmm. She said she would never ever do it again. Oh no! <laughs> it was really, really tough to work with those three mm -hmm. layers. Uh, but again, it was to strengthen the fabric. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can really see how life. strong it would have been with like the thickness mm -hmm. of the cross section of that. But yeah, I felt like that one would have would have survived quite a lot if you day to day manoeuvres. We hope you enjoyed coming along on our trip to the Symington Archive. Once again, a massive thank you to Sarah for guiding us through a wonderland of historical dress. Join us next time for our third and final road trip this summer, where we'll be going on an excursion to Elizabeth Gaskell's house in Manchester. See you then!